For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. We have the uh, special treat and privilege of a um, someone who I think is uniquely fitting to be a guest on the show based on the themes that we discuss and based on the exposure that he has to a tremendous cross-section uh, of folks in, certainly in this country, a, um, a good friend and a, a, uh, an outstanding comedian, Avi Lieberman. Avi, a person who's born in Israel, then goes on to be raised in Texas and then comes out to LA, would either be a, a serial killer or a comedian. I mean, right. Yes. They're, they're, those are my two choices, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. So, so I think what we were saying before, um, before we switched on live to the 37 minutes. And I went to school in New York, which adds another layer of uh, Otherwise you're not confused. mental yeah, deprivation. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I, in New York. as we were. Um, as we're coming up the elevator to the studio here, I mentioned to you that I did a lot of comedy in South Africa, and I found it in incredibly therapeutic to be able to right. just burst the bubble of life. People take themselves a little too serious and just really turn things a little bit upside down. And I've, I've seen your material. I love your stuff. Oh, thank you. I think you're, high, you're very talented. I think it's an, it, it takes a lot more skill, a lot more talent, I mean, a lot more talent to make an audience laugh without the shock treatment of being dirty, swearing, uh, sexist. And there's literally a few handfuls of guys at your level who can do a clean gig. Yeah, and I think that that stuff kind of comes in waves. I say, when I first started, uh, you know, I was given advice. It just wasn't my style. I have no problem with comics that are dirty. Sure. You know, I would hear that a lot. Oh, it's just dirty. It's not funny. I go, so really? So you're going to tell me that someone, you know, like a Richard Pryor is not funny? Exactly. I mean, he's funny. He's filthy. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of dirty comics that are funny. It's just, there's an old thing that Carl Reiner, I think, coined. He said, as long as it's twice as funny as it is dirty, <laughs> uh, then it's fine. But again, I think you have to be honest in yourself. I'm just not a dirty guy. It's just not yeah, my yeah. thing, you know, but um, I remember like I, I did a show with uh, Doug Stanhope. Uh -huh. So Perfect. Doug grew up in Vegas going to, you know, yeah, that was so the environment he was in. So Doug is a riot. You know, he's dirty yeah, he's and he's a riot. Cool. You know, he's one of my favorite guys to watch and I'm super clean and the two of us get along great. You know, I haven't Amazing. seen him in a while. I bumped into actually at an airport <laughs> recently, but uh, it's, I think there's, you have to be yourself and that's, sure. that's the biggest thing about being a comic. So as someone who, Grew up in Houston, going to a, a modern Orthodox Jewish day school. Yeah, it wasn't really my environment. <laughs> no, you know, I'm not say. experiencing what Doug grew up growing up. You know, so or what Richard Pryor was raised in a brothel. Yeah, you know, yeah. so obviously the experiences are different, but you just got to be who you are. But yeah, and plus I learned, like I remember Mark Schiff, another uh, you know who you know. He told me you, you'll have more opportunities if you're clean. I think and, you know, it just, it was kind of my style anyway, so it wasn't really a stretch for me to kind of be that way. But, um, yeah, it's true. You just, you know, I'm more comfortable. The, one of the nicest compliments I got, Chris Spencer, who's a sure. very talented, you know, who he is. He, uh, you know, actor and comedian. I took him on my Israel tour, and he 
excuse me, jokingly once, I think we're in the foyer of the Laugh Factory, he goes, Avi, you're kind of like a, a, a utility comic. <laughs> like, yeah, utility comic. You can throw you in any show and you're fine. Like, I've done black shows, I've done Latino shows, I've done yeah, the Jewish shows. And, yeah, and it's, I play Vegas still, you know, I've got that coming up in May. So, it's, you know, yeah, I'm fine. I don't mind. You know, I'm not going to try to pander so you, you, to you, what you're doing. It's, so you don't become chameleon-like. You are who you are. It's uniform. You're true to yourself. Yeah. And obviously yeah. you say- But again, that takes a long time. You know, when I first start, like every comic, you know, you're trying to find out who you are, what's your message, right. you know, where you're coming from. And, but, you know, you, you, you got to be yourself. Obviously, it's fair to adjust to the environment you're in. Like when I'm in Vegas, am I doing material about Las Vegas? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Am I doing that in Israel? No. Right. Um, you know, but you hope to find jokes that cross over into both. That's the goal. So you, you touched on something, um, which I think is a good launch point to an area that I, I for sure we need to talk about. The way this podcast really started was, you know, um, I did a, a bunch of things with, with Dennis Prager and Ben right, Shapiro, yeah. and we're talking about, you know, there's a generation that is, you know, without any critical eye, is just embracing hook, line, and sinker, what pop culture is imparting. And I think... Right, yeah. It's much worse than when I was growing up. For sure. It's way worse. I mean, you know, you're growing up and there were like three stations on TV and that was like a big deal. Right. Um, you know, I, I actually remember talking to me and Ronnie Shell. I don't know if you know who he is. He was on uh, Gomer Pyle. Okay. Like so, years ago. And he said, listen, when I was coming up, like being on TV was a big deal. Like if you're on TV, it was a huge yeah. thing. Now everyone's on TV. You know, it's a, it's a much different uh, a scenario. Different I mean, there was no... Did, you know, just when I was in college, you know, email was just starting right. my senior year, but there was no YouTube. There were no streaming Completely services and channels. Right. It's a whole different ballgame now. So the, um, and, and, and I think like with Instagram especially, and I'm guilty of it myself, you know, you'll check it just to see what's going on. But it's like everyone's life is perfect on there. And I yeah. know people who post on there and I know that it's not. I know they're like depressed about things and upset about things, but you can't post something like that or you're a complainer and a whiner yeah but if everything you're posting is i'm at this party you right. know, I, I think it's fair if you bump into a celebrity okay that's fun you know that's fine i, I never yeah, mind but, that you know look why okay that's exciting that's you know and that can be fun for people that's but and for me it's it's a it's a strange thing because i sort of have to be on there let people know where i am right, you know i have shows coming up and a lot of people do find out about my shows you know, through an Instagram, through a Facebook there post. Is a so viral it, there is an element of work involved. For sure. So that's part of the problem. I think if you're in entertainment, right. you're yeah. going to be trapped by this and you're going to have to look at other people's situations going on. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, I think for teens, it's got to be just vicious. It's vicious. Nowadays, you're looking at all these perfect people and, you know, it's just with their perfect lives. And, you know, you know in your gut it's not true, but it's it's got to be hard to see. It's, yeah, it's you know. it's people whose internal world can be completely imploding and they have this facade. So there's two sort of areas, two shoots that I wanted to go with this. Firstly, when did you know in your journey, Avi, that this is your calling, this seems to be your vocation, and now it's time to hone your discipline, your skills, and become, you know, what you've become today. Certainly uh, one of the most likable and, and uh, oh, sort of... Oh, thank you. Well, if I can fool you, <laughs> I think I knew when I flunked out of law school and med school and that was... You know, no, I'm teasing. I <laughs> never replied. Uh, no, um, I was always interested, I would say. I was always a bit of a class clown mm -hmm. uh, and I could do impressions That's a, of a yeah. lot of people. So, and, and I remember, I think we must have been in seventh or eighth grade. We did kind of a goof, like a play of all of our teachers and, and you, I, I played every teacher. So you knew that. I mean, that's a talent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, and I was, uh, you know, and I'd look for the voices, but it was also like the rhythms of people. And it's I do all these obscure people who like no one knows and no one does. Yeah, I do like I, I do uh, uh, like the, when I listen to uh, the you know um, 
when was that crack up my friends? I was just doing the car. Uh, Mark Levin. Yeah, sure. I do. Because there's no... He's either completely calm or explosive. Oh, yeah. There's he, no like, you know... He's binary. He's right. It's just like, you know, you know something else, Mr. Producer? These idiots. That's right. I said it. Idiot. You know, like he just said, he, like he'll go that route. And then I was doing Dr. Sebastian Gorka most recently. Like I did him, but like three people know, you know, it'll make five of my friends laugh, you know, and it's other obscure people. This guy, Sam Chewy, who's a big travel yeah, puck, sure. you know, I watch him and I do it. I just do him for my friend Bruce and he just cracks up laughing. But that's, you know, I'm also the kind of guy who's, you, you be able to pick up, hone in and mimic. And it's not done to bring people down. It's just no, no. It's flattery. It's flattery you know, for it's, sure. It's, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's great that they have their unique in their own sense to the point where you can do an impression of them. I think is. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's an interesting thing. So, but I started doing that. Yeah. And it, I was always a bit of a class clown. And then um, it's like when I got to you know in high school, I was always the one during the blockbuster days. <laughs> sure. I always wanted to rent the comedy, or if there was a stand-up special, like that's always what I wanted to see. And then by the time my senior year in college, I began to do a little more theater. And uh, it's right after that, I moved. I began to watch stand up. I'd say more analytically, my junior, senior year in college, um, and then I moved straight to LA and you know started with the acting stuff, and and that was it. So, would you? Is there a particular comic or that you would say, you know, this is a role model or this is someone? Um, like my dad, I would listen to my dad's, uh, you know, two thousand year old man albums. George Carlin, when I was yep, thirteen, I must yep. have played a place for my stuff like over and over and over again. Um, you know, pre-rape Cosby, uh, sure. I, was, I was a fan of, uh, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was always fascinated and interested by it. But, uh, and then I've recently, I've gravitated more towards screenwriting, but, um, I don't act as much anymore, but, uh, I enjoyed it when, when I'm doing it, you know, but I don't audition as much and I don't care. Like, I know you're not supposed to yeah, say no, it, but, no, that's, uh, I think that's part of it though, because if you don't care. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I was working with an agent, but I just, I didn't, they weren't, you know, I'd get out every now and then I would book over the years. I'd book roles here and yeah, there. Yeah. And is it great when you're working and it's fun and you're on a set and you're in a trailer that's nicer than your apartment and you know, yeah, it's nice and it's fun. And yep. you know, you're making great money for the amount of time that you're working, but it, again, it's very up and down. So and then I sure. think that comics in general, I think it, because there's an element of control that we want for sure. when it comes to, you know, performing, you're writing it, you're performing it, you're doing it. So I think that's why I think screenwriting, I think to me was, you know, I can write it, I can, you know, craft the story how I want it to go, uh, is a little more appealing, I would say, to a comedic mind than Understood. maybe someone else. And the things I write really aren't comedies. I wrote one comedy with a buddy of mine, which is, uh, you know, a great experience. But um, So if a genie came out of this bottle and said, Avi, you're going to be successful whether you go left or right. Left is the journey of a comic and right is as a serious dramatic theatrical actor but but you know you're not going to bomb right which one would you go left or right uh if i i can only pick one or the other you have to choose. it's binary and you know you're going to be successful yeah i so. probably pick pick left i probably be do the comedy because that's more in my control yeah. um you know and i mean i it's with the acting yes can you interpret lines and do things different ways and yeah well, of I course you know obviously in physicalizing things certain ways and i mean i studied with stephen book you know it was all acting through improv, you know, so yeah. that's, and you know, it's turn, making the lines your own and doing that kind of stuff. I started with him for two and a half years, you know, and it's, and it, and yeah, did it help? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, I remember like, uh, you know, one thing that he, he brought up, he says, uh, crying scares everybody. You see how oh, the actor cries in a script and that right. scares people to death, especially the men. Yeah. So, but he, we learned it was sort of a breathing exercise. To make, to um, yeah, everybody physiologically, like when you laugh, he did the, he, there was a school apparently in South America. I, I apologize. I don't remember the specifics, but he, he called them and he, they were 
doing a study about that. Does everyone breathe the same way when you laugh or cry or yeah. get angry or this? And they said, apparently the answer is yes. Like there's certain breathing patterns like in through the nose and out through the mouth. And wow. so, and he said, if I start to breathe that way, will I evoke that emotion? And he goes, we've been just studying that. And the answer appears to be yes. By so, just simulating that breathing. Yes. And even if you, like, if you don't have tears streaming down your face, if you're physicalizing crying, you know, you look that way. And I remember I had an audition, I still remember to this day, for a Miller beer commercial. And you had to walk from point A to point B, but you had to cry. And I'm in there and these two guys walk in and walk out. Well, they want us to cry, like almost annoyed. And I went in and they go, if you need any time, I go, no, I don't need any time. We had just finished like this crying project. It's like a couple of months. Like it really, it's like working out. You have to kind of exercise the muscle. And uh, not even a callback. I booked it with, I was just laughing. I did, you know, it was just because I was just learning how to do this. It wasn't really a big deal. So you realize that there are a lot of elements of acting that are, you know, learned skills that you have to do. And it's, there's a reason why For sure. the top guys are the top guys, you know, there. Do, do you, do you, when you, when I listen to your stuff, I'm trying to figure out what percentage is autobiographical is about right. you and what is parody, what is, you know, or, or you just taking your life and saying, you know, it's just going to be lemonade and, and let's just take the edge off. Um, yeah, people ask me, like, where do you get your time? I would say it's life experiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of it, especially when I do, you know, I do these tours in Israel sure. uh, a couple of times a year. Now we do it over the Sukkot holiday as well for the Kobe Mandel Foundation. Just uh, yeah, we're going we'll to talk about that in a bit. Yeah, so, excuse me. So I have to, that's a lot of pressure for me because I have to come up with like 15 to 20 minutes of material every single time. That's a lot. You know, yeah, so you can't, you know, I, I have this, it's frustrating to know that I have this arsenal of stuff that I know works. Right. But, Try you know, Jews are impossible. Like, oh, we heard that nine years ago. <laughs> you know, they just, they remember everything. <laughs> You can't now, get away with and it, it's funny, like I or they get upset you didn't do the one they like. <laughs> exactly. How can you do this joke? I like that. And then you know, so but I you know, I spent a week in London doing shows and we were premiering a documentary that we made about the the tour called Land of Milk and Funny. Yeah. Uh this, I actually have a website at landofmilkandfunny.com. So cool. it's about the documentary about the tour we do in Israel. And um so I spent a week in London. So that gave me and it was like during the election time, so I was like I was able to pick up some material about that before I went to Israel. So that was good. But again, that's that's life experience. It's not necessarily all about me, you know, because sure, the but audience wants to hear about you. They want to know who about you and who you are and your perspectives on things. So, so, so that's, that seems to indicate that there are universal experiences that transcend cultures and that transcend that there's certain, you know, life experiences that you can turn on their hand and turn into humor, whether you're in Israel, London. Absolutely. Well, it's most of the comedians I bring aren't Jewish. And there's like an initial concern. Well, I'm not Jewish. Are they going to get, I go, yeah, just do your act. They'll, they'll love it. Don't worry about it. And they, they have an easier, usually the non-Jewish comics have a much, it's harder for the Jewish comedian. Because there's, because a, it's, there's this expectation, well, this guy be as, as, better be as funny as Seinfeld or me. Yeah, you yeah. know, but the Nanju's like, oh, uh, Nanju, this must be a real comedian. It's unique. It's a unique experience. Like, <laughs> right. They want to know about you. Like, they want to hear about your experiences. And uh, it's so the about, I, I was very intrigued by that. Tell us about the, the, the whole Kobe tour. The, uh... Yeah, so basically that, that started in 2003 when things were, like, really bad there. Uh, was it there was, 2003 was the Intifada? Yeah, so the second Intifada, there were suicide bombings and, you know, terrorist attacks and all this stuff going on. So long story short, we came up with the idea of uh, let's just give everybody a safe, fun night out. There are enough people in Israel who, you know, are For sure. Anglos, you know, from the U.S. and England, Australia, whatever, uh, Canada. So and um, then we put together a show. And most, and most Israelis know English anyway. Sure. So we put together a safe, fun night out. That was kind of the theme of it. And I got in touch with the promoter. I mean, this guy, uh, Zev Isaacs, he had, he had brought in Elton John, like huge acts, but no one was coming. So he said, sure, let's try it. So we did that a couple times. 
Uh, and he was the one who got off the ground. And then a friend of mine took it over as a charitable fundraiser. Amazing. And then um, it sort of morphed into what it's doing now with the Kobe Mandel Foundation. So a few years, it's sort of, oddly enough, in a positive way, it outgrew what the charity was able to handle. So, and then we switched to the Kobe Mandel Foundation. It's been kind of a great marriage. So who's the sense. beneficiaries of the Kobe Mandel Foundation? Uh, who, who gets who gets yeah. the money? Yeah, they get the money from the gate. And okay. thankfully, we have a, a few sponsors. We're always looking for more, obviously, um, to cover costs. And uh, so every ticket from the gate, the more sponsorship we have, the more money that, you know, it, it's expensive to fly for comics, for sure. all the hotels and all that stuff, so, um, and renting the halls and all that, and the websites. And so the money goes to the, they work with children of trauma. If you've uh, lost any sure. immediate family member, they have a summer camp Amazing. twice a year for kids. They have grieving mothers groups and year-round programming for families and all that stuff. So. And do you, you get, to uh, choose the comics do you get to yeah my job is to uh pick the comics decide like who will mesh you with (laughs) well with who and who's going on when and showing them around and you know kind of schedule wise we have producers dean and jeremy Wimph, djw productions in israel they handle the logistics on the ground like getting the theaters and what nights and when and all that stuff but it's my job to make sure during the day that the comics see certain things you know it's half tour guide half kind of half performing and you know, I have so, production on my end, so... I think I mentioned you before. <laughs> so. I, I'm involved in America's Voice in Israel, which basically gets, you know, facilitates trips to Israel with... Right, right, right. And it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, that's, people well, that's back- my little ulterior motive. It's the same thing. Like, it's... I want them to come to Israel. Yeah, are they going to have, uh, you know, let them come and have a great time? And they you know, have great shows and entertain the population. God bless. But I want them to go and have a good time. So then they come back and they're secret, you know, right. secretly they become great emissaries of Israel. Israel's PR is awful. For sure. So let them come back and tell them what it's really like. So that's that's what we do. So here's a question that I'm, I, I you know, I was asked more frequently when I was very involved in comedy in South Africa. And that is, do you always have to be on? I mean, if you're just hanging with your buddies no. and having a shawarma. No. I, I think I mean, nowadays can, enough people know, you know, it's, you can, they can talk to you for a minute. You know, and I tell even younger comics, I go, listen, it's, it's show business. If you're getting up a lot of places, that that's great. And you should get on stage whenever, wherever you can. But you've got to find a way to get paid for this. Yeah. I mean, it's your job. So you're not always on, you know, if you're a lawyer, you're not coming back and arguing with your wife. Uh, yeah. Right? You know, well, uh, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's. You know, it's, yeah, I think people understand nowadays that not every comic is, uh, there's another stereotype. Every comic is secretly depressed and miserable. That's, that's also not that's true. That's garbage. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, you know, you have all different types. So, but no, it's, uh, I think comics are quick witted. Yeah. You know, generally it's off stage. you know, it's your job to find funny things. Yeah. That's, and we're I mean, going to hopefully say funny things off stage that may or may not morph into material. Right. Um, you know, but yeah, no, I think regular people aren't the days of, Oh, tell me a joke. You know, that's no, kind of, that's over. passe. Yeah. What can you share with us an example where, I mean, I can think of things in my life where you literally wanted to take the microphone and take a heckler and just twist his head off. Yeah, um, oddly enough, like drunk girls yeah. are, uh, are are tough. Yeah. I remember like one specific time in in my life where I got angry on stage, and it was just this drunk girl who would not shut up. And she was just, she was just, it's just, yeah. And it was at the Laugh Factory, like it's a really great club, and she just the Laugh Factory was huge. Yeah, and she just wasn't. And I, I remember I got upset, and I realized, oh, you can't get angry on stage. You have to. It's like it was glossed over quickly. But she I remember was like totally feeling plastered. angry. Yeah, she was just obnoxious. And um, you know, it's like one time I had a woman. Um, that she wasn't drunk. She was just miserable. And I remember I was in Vegas, and I remember. Um, I had said something. I had asked, uh, like, a gender. She responded. I was doing some crowd. I was talking about being a teacher and what mm-hmm. that's like and uh, being a, a teaching assistant. And she's she responded. And I said something. And I, I couldn't hear her. And I said, I'm sorry. What would, what, uh, what, what, what did you say? And she Genu- goes, you genuinely couldn't hear her? Yeah, yeah. I just didn't hear her. Right, right. She said, I'm, I, I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. Could you repeat that? And she goes, uh, 
just like a man, not paying attention to anything I'm saying. Uh, and I said, and I remember getting upset for a split second, but I responded, I go, just like a woman, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's, you're not going to come out ahead in this situation. No, I have a microphone, a, I'm going to, you know, and um, I've been doing this a long time at this point. Like, yeah. you know, so you'll have a few of those that pop up every now and then. I remember getting upset about that, but I verbally responded with a, with a joke right, back at her. But the other one, I got upset. And it, it's, yeah, oddly enough, like the, they say like bachelor parties versus bachelorette parties. Guys are bigger. They can do, they hold their liquor a little bit better, <laughs> right. and they'll kind of calm down. You know, they're yeah. not. But the girls, bachelorette parties, it's like talk about Michelle. Like no one cares about <laughs> Michelle or knows Michelle in this audience. Like right. just take it easy. You know, it's it's just and this is their one big crazy night out. Yep. The guys tend to cut. You know, they they ask me this that too. It's like our bachelor party stuff. I go no, not not as bad. That's just, they could be you know just, drunk guys are drunk guys. It's tough yeah. you know. But usually in a comedy club you know they, you know they everybody around you wants to have a good time sure. shut up and listen to the comic on stage it's you know and as time has gone on because you've definitely you've had success you've been around which is a obviously a testament to your to your skill and the fact that you've got a, a very receptive audience how's how's the dynamics and the audience change because one of the things about the whole show is just how the world has changed how yeah, the millennial generation yeah. is just I mean, there's so many. Yeah, everyone's offended on behalf of someone else. Yeah, everyone. Like, that's what I find hilarious. Everyone's um, pissed you know, off. It's, yeah, they're just. Uh, it's well, even Seinfeld. I mean, you can't get more mainstream, funny, unoffensive uh, than Jerry Seinfeld. I think and he won't play colleges. You know, I just, I just think like everyone looks for a reason to be offended on behalf of someone else. Yeah. D- just relax. Take it easy. It's, it's not that big a deal. Then it's and this like. I don't know why everyone cowers to this like Twitter mob. You know, don't apo- stop apologizing. It drives me nuts when comics apologize. Yeah, because stop, don't. You know, it's it's enough. Sorry, you were offended. Move on. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, if you know, person- it's do. And these people, like, I, I was wondering myself. I was like, what if the person wasn't fired for what they said? Do you think it would it really matter a week later? Like, no one would care. They really wouldn't because they'd move on to the next thing that they're going to be outraged about. You're, so stop, stop caving into these, right. you know, bullies, which is what they are. It's they're a, just online and bullies. And it's a tremendous it's, it's mob mentality. Yeah, it's terrible. Where people self-censor and they mute themselves yeah. for fear of what? No, I know. That's that's the thing. It's, you know, are these people going to hire you? You know, right. so, somebody, you know, tweeting that they're angry at you is not, it's not giving you a job. Take it easy. Yeah, so let well, them be offended. You know, there's nothing that you can do about it. It's just, it's absurd. You know, to, to fire a guy like what, what, what SNL did, I thought was yeah, absurd. Yeah. To pick on a guy for something he did two years ago on a podcast. It's, I mean, come on, move on. So if you hired him, do you really think that there'd be protests outside yeah, yeah. every single day for, you know, it's, it's enough. The yeah, guy didn't I agree. Do it over something you said. And you, and it's, in your, I would imagine when you launched your career, this was not exactly. Yeah. A part and parcel of the dynamic. No, 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 and I don't. I, I mean, and again, it's harder for other comics. I don't play the clubs as much. I still do. I sort of specialize in Jewish events. That's what right. my that's yeah. my wheelhouse. You know what they say: stand up, get good at it, and find your niche. That's for my sure. niche. You know, if you ask someone, you know, hey, we need someone to do forty-five minutes to an hour of squeaky clean material in front of a bunch of Orthodox Jews. Good luck. You know, like most <laughs> comics can't or have no interest yeah, in doing that. Right. I can do it. There's Which a few is- other guys. You can count them on your hand. You know, we're all we know each other. And for sure. We try to help each other out. I did this gig. You should look into this yeah, guy yeah. next time. You know, when people ask me for references and stuff, but that's kind of my wheelhouse. Doing you know synagogue events, banquets, school fundraisers. All all all. Fantastic. You know, that's that's sort of what I do well. Um, but it, so I'm not even in the clubs as much, but I still hear it. You know, the, you know, I don't push as much, you know, to get club work as much anymore, but it's even I have to deal with it. And, and I mean, I, I know the environments that I'm in. It's you have to toe the line and be, you know, squeaky clean and unoffensive and all that stuff. But it's even, even in that world, you know, at least, at least I know going in, if I'm playing an Orthodox synagogue, 
no monkeying around. Like you have to keep it clean and not be offensive. So but Weasel a few line. times yep. it is refreshing that when I get to go and perform at a club, you know, like the Laugh Factory, the Improv, or wherever or in Vegas, and you can kind of let loose L- at least a little bit. You know. So where's the line between you have to be so politically correct that it's it's so neutral, yeah, that you become you know. <laughs> It's just a bland narrative. Yeah, well, it, I I think it comes in waves. I think that it's people are getting so sick of this now. Yeah, um, that it's uh, it's, it'll it'll turn around. And I think that people will comics will because right. I think that they're kind of the social voice for sure of the, think, you know of, of the public. You know that comics are going to start saying things. I think that are so obnoxious and offensive. Like when comics talk together, right? You know, we do that all the time, and it used to not be a big deal, and now it's kind of it's, you know, oh, can I even say this off stage? Mm-hmm. You know, so it gets a little silly, but um, I, I think it'll shift. It goes in waves. Yeah, you know? no, I, th- I think you're right. I think the, the comics, to logic extent, are sort of the litmus test. Yeah, you know, as to what. Uh, so the again, the 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 catalyst to the Anthony Gordon show was this. There are so many, specifically, I think, younger folks that are living, um, you know. Without meaning, without purpose, without direction. Yeah, that's no, hard. And it's a reactive society. It's no proactive. Like, what am I doing here? And I don't know if it's just me. The exposure that I have to that generation on they're just miserable. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think a lot of that is the social media stuff. And it, it's you For know, sure. and I'm guilty of it myself. You know, going on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. And it, it's it's all you know. You're not going to be a Kardashian. It's just not going to happen. You know, that's their world. That's not yours. Yeah. And I think the fact that people are reading less, you know, they're online more oh, and reading sure. less. Uh, so people are learning less. Like no one knows his basic history, which I think has also affected the politics of this country. Oh, the whole and, society. And the whole social media. Down. It's just like you'll go around and you watch when these guys will go to college campuses and ask people like basic history questions. Yeah. And they, they don't know what the Holocaust is. Like they don't know, it's, it's, you it know, what war did George Washington fight? They, they just, they have no idea that, and the, the loss of that, I think of just knowing basic history. Um, you know, it's like when I, I was just watching today, uh, when they talked about the strike about killing Soleimani, not to yeah, get into yeah, politics, you know, whatever. I, and I don't do politics either. That's the other, yeah, just the, you know, stuff that I have. Like, I, I do some Trump stuff on stage, but I don't pick sides. I just right, think right. he's a funny character. Yeah, no, he's, he's a fun character to do. You know, so, you know, it's like, it's totally ridiculous. You know, so like, he's, he's fun to do, but I don't, I don't pick sides. Um, but even as someone like me who doesn't pick politics, you know, to watch these answers, this guy would ask these college students at Georgetown, what did you think? Well, you know, because the United States is, is a white supremacist, racist country that has a history of white supremacy. I was just like, compared to what? Like, you know, compared <laughs> yep. to what country are you talking about? Every country on earth? Like, that's, every country has, an awful history where they were, you know, it's absurd. It's totally absurd. It's, you know, and they just don't know this. I just, no one knows basic history anymore. They don't learn about it. You know, I, 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 I as a non-American, it was the, one of the biggest shockers when I came to this country. Um, it's a very parochial country. People, it, you know, the world starts at LA and New York and I hear... Oh, yeah, it's if you live in one of these two cities, it's it's like the rest of the country doesn't even exist. They just, it's a little bubble. I tell people, I go, the biggest hicks in America are New Yorkers. 100% true. Uh, like, you ever ask a New Yorker, you ever been to Oregon? You ever been to Idaho? You ever been to Arkansas? What do I need to go there for? I live in New York. And, I, <laughs> and it's, it is. It's a great city. I 100%. I love going there. I love performing there. Yeah, the world doesn't it, exist outside. Yeah, but, of, and it's, the, there's no reason. To, it's sort of like when you go to Israel. Like, I find that people who live in Tel Aviv have, have a similar attitude. Yeah, right. Because my friends who live in Tel Aviv, and they'll go to Jerusalem once a year, maybe. And it's a you know, big It's schlep. 45 minutes away. Oh, I'm not going there. It's a, I just like, you know, I get it. Tel Aviv is a great city. I understand you have everything you need here, just like New York. But you 
you should get out yeah, right. a little bit, you know, you should visit in a while. other parts of the country to know that, you know, where your salad comes from. You know, right. it's just, it's like ridiculous. So it dawned so. on me as you're talking about, this is your niche. This is, you know, clearly a, a well-known guy in the, certainly the Jewish circle, the recent spiking in anti-Semitism. you're, whether you love you, whether you like it or not, your, your last name, you know, do, doesn't sound Roman Catholic. Yeah, it's funny. Even when I started, I would avoid doing Jewish material like, like the plague. It's because I didn't want to be the, the Jewish guy, you know. I would do no Jewish material. Really? Yeah, none. And he's like, my late night sets have nothing Jewish, you know. One, I think one spot I did on Craig Ferguson, I, you know. Yeah, I saw about on Craig that was and, very uh, non-Jewish stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's because I didn't want to be known as this Jewish. And then I realized, like, this is absurd. Like, I am very Jewish. Like, why don't right. I just embrace it? And then everything got better. You know, you have to be yourself. The secular stuff got better. Everything got better. You know, once you're more genuine to who you are... That that's how it is. Um, so it's interesting. It's, I'm speaking. I but yeah, that, with the anesthetists. Yeah, um, yeah. Here's the thing. I think it's. Um, it's um, you know, I think it's more isolated. Obviously, in like the Brooklyn area, that's sure. been a specific issue there with the African community, African American community. It's been an issue. Mm-hmm. But obviously, ninety, God knows what percentage and higher, aren't for any of this stuff and think it's, sure. it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, you have a few wackos who are going to do things, but and I think it also is. Uh, Sometimes it's it's ex, you know exacerbated and exploited by various politicians here and there. For like sure. some fifteen year old punk spray painting a swastika on someone's garage. I, personally, I don't consider that a hate crime. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just some punk idiot being being a teen dummy. That mm-hmm. you know, it's when no one was hurt. When people are hurt, that's another story. If people sure. are getting attacked, yeah, that's 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 an issue. And uh, it's again, I just think it's uh, communities need to come together and understand each other. And you right. you know that that stuff will go away more. Do absolutely. The, Europe's another ball game. That's yeah, no, uh, Europe's are completely, yeah. it's, it's definitely. But here, I think that there is no great history of anti-Semitism in this country. That's what makes it different. You know, George Washington sent letters to that synagogue in, you know, in Providence. I don't think we realized Saying, it's, you know, you guys are part of this community too. It's, don't worry. It's, you know, I, it's, the, the oldest Jewish cemetery in America is in Chinatown in New York. Yeah. And I went to see it. Now, my friend Jamie Gong, who's actually a uh, Jameson Gong, he lives in Hong Kong. He's a comedian. Yeah. And he's an official tour guide in New York and gives tours in Chinatown. And That's he told it. me, Avi, you know, the oldest Jewish cemetery. I go, where is he? He goes right around the corner. And he took me and it was actually open. It's owned by the uh, the uh, Portuguese, Spanish Portuguese synagogue, which I think is on in the 70s in the Upper mm-hmm. West Side. And it was open that day. Like some relatives were there looking for uh, a, a relative who was buried there. And you have soldiers buried there who fought with Washington. That's unbelievable. It's like two or three of them. And I saw, I took a photo of it and sent it to the guys. I did shows in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I'm still in touch with some of those guys. And I said, they're like, oh, this is great. You know, so it, it's a different history yeah. in the United States as opposed to Europe. I agree. So let, let, let's lean a little bit to, to you particularly and the pressure of the kind of work that you do. You know, I, I mean, again, I, I can speak with some, something with the first hand experience. You know, come rain or shine, you got to get out there. You got to get on stage. You got to be, you know, you got to be in the zone, right? You know, and and often you don't feel like you're in the zone. Yeah, well, I learned early from my acting teacher, uh, Stephen Book. Like he talked about this, how uh, you know, there's that outside in versus inside out right. approach. You know, do I? Oh, I have to feel this way to play it. So Stephen Book, he gave an example once. He said, "Okay, you have an hour of sunlight left, and you have to play this scene." Well, I don't feel that. I, well, you're fired. You know, <laughs> exactly. we don't have time for this. This is a lot of money. Yeah. You know, time is money. So do it. Get out there and do your job. Yeah. So that's, I learned from him early. That's, I remember the, the night Cal Ripken Jr. broke the baseball record for the most consecutive games played. Yep. And he started off acting class like that. He goes, you know, I saw an amazing thing tonight. I saw a guy get applauded by tens of thousands of people for going to work every day and not missing a day. 
Yeah, and he goes, actors don't get sick. And then he, let's start, let's begin. So if you're a comic and you have a show to do, unless you've like lost your voice or, you know, uh, I was sick this last tour in Israel. You could ask the guys in the van. They were not thrilled with me having a roll of tissues with me. No, but get on stage and do your job, you know, and then you go rest afterwards. But if you have a job to do, get up and do it to the best of your ability, as long as you physically are able to. Yeah, that's the way I, uh, so that's the, you know, if you're not happy and you know it, just look happy your hands. Yeah, it's, you know, that's your job is to get out there and do your job. And it's whether you're in a good mood or not, for sure, it's your job to put everyone else in a good mood. So just do it. Um, the, the very true. So you obviously have exposure to a lot of young people. If you were giving advice and a lot of our listeners are, you know, I would say during their formative years, um, it's a different generation, it's a different time. What, what's the kind of advice and some ideas just generally that you would want to impart um, to our 72 million vis- listeners right now that are just to have a meaningful, uh, productive and happy life. As cliche as that sound, I think that, that some, say, someone like yourself, yeah. you've had a tremendous cross-section. You've had success. People don't realize, Avi, for every Avi Lieberman, there are, there are many guys uh, that have you know, played the clubs you know, and right now are saying, you know, would you like a Saturday with that? I mean, that, that's the Yeah, truth. no, that, that's the reality. I mean, it, it, I, I remember it's interesting. You have to put things in perspective. Like I thought, look, I could be miserable and say I'm not as successful. There, are, God knows how many people more successful than me. You know, a ton. Name it, one. I'm still, yeah, <laughs> every other comic. Um, it, it's, you know, but you have to put things in perspective. I remember I thought I made it when I finally quit my day job. I was a teaching assistant at uh, second grade, first and second grade and, teaching assistant at Sinai. And I, I realized you don't really get any respect unless you're doing it full-time. No, for sure not. And, but I, I realized the less time I was full-time, then I went to part-time. I realized when I went to part-time, I was making more money. That, you know, I would get more gigs, and I, you know, so I finally stopped. And I remember I was in New York City at a Friday night uh, Sabbath dinner thing, yep. and it was like some late-night gathering, and there were all these people in this apartment, and this guy just says, oh, so we start talking. He goes, oh, so uh, what, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm, I'm a comic, actually. And he goes, that's it? That's all you do? And I had to stop. <laughs> And I go, yeah, that's it. That's all I do. Was wow, that's great. And I thought there I'd made it. I thought that's it. I've achieved everything else's gravy. But think about now. It. I could look at this and go, I'm not Dave Chappelle. Therefore, I'm a failure. That's you know. But I tell people, you you can't base your happiness on how right. successful you are in show business. Otherwise, the only happy guy in town is Tom Hanks. Right. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's more successful than you, who's more relevant than 100%. you. Hundred percent. It's that's just you have to find something else meaningful in your life. Find that other thing because yeah, you're going to be battling show business. Even if you book a sitcom, it will get canceled eventually. I don't 100%. care if you're on Friends. It's going to stop. So what happens after that? You've got to have something else that you find meaningful. I would say stay off of Instagram or Facebook if you're a teen, all that kind of stuff. Always be in the middle of a book. Find some book that you're interested in. I don't care how fast or slow you read it. Be in the middle of one, and when you finish it, find another one. Then you know, Always be in the middle of that, and, and great, travel great when you can. You know, it's, It'll put things in perspective. It's, oh, I... Uh, my life is awful. I'm poor. Really? Why don't yeah, you go but, take a trip to various places, even in Eastern Europe, and you you tell me how bad you've got it. You know, go to Mexico for a day and yep. walk around, and or even go to Europe and see you, you know the size of apartments that my friends who struggle live in. It's you know it's it's not easy. You know it's it's not so bad in this country, relatively speaking. You have to keep those things in perspective. But again, it's hard because you see friends that are more successful than you that are doing things that you're not doing. So before we started you know, so. streaming live to to the world, I think one of the things that we're talking about is how people equate their self worth and their net worth. You were talking about someone who yes, there's like a friend of mine. If he lost his dough, yeah, he, basically that's it, told done. me straight up. I, I, I takes medication for it and was blatantly honest with me and said. 
I cannot separate my happiness from how successful I am in show business. If they're not so on he, a show, riding on a show, doing this, just miserable. And so I you can't do it. So his entire sense and they of, take, of self-worth, of, of, of peace of mind is completely contingent on externality. Yes. He's got zero correct. control over it. Yes. How can it's, you live a life? Like, you walk on eggshells. Well, then, yeah, I think that uh, it's not to sound too preachy, but that it's fine. Uh, you know, thank God I have my Judaism. I think sure, that it's sure. to, to yeah. lean on, you know, and to help me and it's to learn things other than right. show business. And uh, it's fine. Whatever religion it is, I think that would be helpful. You know, charity work, something. You know, you've got to find something that has in your life. Yeah, helping someone else, volunteering at a charity. And that should honestly come first. Right. Show business will take care of itself. If you're working hard enough and doing what you're doing and getting better at what you're doing, it'll, you know, it'll hopefully come to pass. Um, you know, it's, but focus on, it's like the screenwriting for me. It's, uh, it's, it's totally devoid. That, you know, if it gets made, great. But I know that there's value there. And as soon as I was done with one, I don't obsess on it. I move to the next one. You know, That's fine, find yeah. something else to write. That, you know, don't don't stop. You have to continuously be in motion of like looking at other projects to do, as a, as opposed you know. to looking back and and yeah. I mean, the Godfather sat on a shelf for twenty years. You know, like do you think, you know, you have to. It's who knows, right? So you can't put all your eggs in one basket. That's the first thing I would say. Like, uh, that's a great cast point. cast a wide net, yep, especially yep. if you're working in this business. Yep. And for for God's sakes, find something else aside from show business that you're passionate about. Yep. Then and very sound advice. Yeah, and uh, and it, it, you'll be much less miserable. So to wrap things up, there's two questions I try and ask most guests, and it's it's just amazing when I bump into people that these are the questions and the responses that seem to resonate. The the penultimate question is: When you look back at your journey called life, when can you isolate the moments when you are most at peace or most happy? And is there a common denominator? Um, yeah, I'd say there's definitely crossover. Um, you know, that it, it's, I think I'm, um, that, you know, I mean, I, I'm not married yet, so hopefully that'll, you know, the yep. most happy things will come well, we soon. After this that. podcast, we're going to yeah, thousands yeah, of resumes. God willing. That's fine. <laughs> that should be, that should be my biggest headache. <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah. So that, you know, I, I think you have to have, in a sense, a little bit of that, like the, you know, when they ask basketball player, what's your best game? Hopefully my next one, yep. you know, what's your best actors, what's your best movie that, you know, the next one. So hopefully that'll be when it comes to the happiness, peace stuff. But I can tell you when I, I enjoy what I've enjoyed over the years, like the shows in Israel, I enjoy when those go well, That's that, you know, because I think there's meaning behind it and it's, it's a two pronged positive For in the sure. sense that comedians are going there places they probably would never go having That's a good amazing. experience coming back and you know being good emissaries of that country and at the same time entertaining a bunch of people who normally would not be able to see comics of that caliber yep and it makes money for a really great charity so like i'm i'm happy when that is going smoothly it's stressful and there's a lot of stress involved with it. But that's more than just making people Putting laugh. It together. There's a context. There's a yeah, yeah. It's not just, a, yeah. And the comedians, God bless. I mean, they do it for very little money. They do it for, just, you know, for basically like a stipend. Amazing. I mean, some of these guys can make twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in a weekend. And, and then, it's they sacrifice a lot. It's basically just so they won't go broke while they're gone. And it, it's that's why, yeah, I want it to amazing. be a good experience. So, you know, when that goes well and my, my act is going over... You know, I'd say, yeah, generally, I think it's when I'm performing on stage and it's going well, yeah, you know, it's great. going well. You're in the zone and, and yeah. you know you're hitting it. And uh, it's, so that's a really nice feeling. And uh, it's, you know, when you're busy and working and doing what you want to do, uh, that's, those are, you know, and I, I'd say I'm most at peace. Or when, um, you know, obviously there's still things I want to do. I'd like to see the movies that I've written get made. For sure. But uh, there's which always going to be something else that you want to do. Which so. which I guess is, is the good way for us to wrap this up. And, and, and interestingly, this is a question that I've asked other guests and you never know who's listening, you know, amongst the... 240 million listeners you just never know and it's happened to a guest before five years from now avi 
Where do you want to be? All things being equal. Um, I'd like to see the movies that I've written made. Uh, mm-hmm. There are two now that have some decent potential um, that are going to have a big meeting on Monday coming up. And uh, it's, But if you were to sit me down and go, Avi, here, here's your job. We need you to sit down and write the next three or four historical narratives about XYZ. That's your job. You would uh, walk away th- from comedy then? Th- no, I would still do it. I mean, because comedy is always something you can just drop For by sure. a club. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, if, if they know who you are or whatever. Right. And uh, or I try to do Jewish events like that. I still, yeah, yeah. I, I love doing those because it's fun and it's a chunk of material that I don't get to do in yeah, clubs. Yeah, that's great. So and you created fun. it. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's, yeah, but that's, that's where I'd like to be, you know, in the middle of another movie, always, you know, trying to create something else. So I will say that I hope and pray that it happens because uh, I you, do too. You deserve it. <laughs> you're you're a you're a good guy. Your uh, feet are together. You are someone who is the antithesis of a narcissist. I've, you know, you you just bumped each other at the, at the wedding a couple of nights ago. You're just not someone who's pounding his chest and you know saying you got to look at me and where's the camera. I yeah, think you, well, it's weird because I'm, I think it's the exact opposite of what you learn in like Judaism in a Jewish house. Don't be so arrogant. Don't, right. and then you come to show business, they're like, no, do exactly the opposite. <laughs> exactly. So it's just I always like wrestled with that. It's just like a little bit weird, uh, you know, for me. So, but you were. Uh, you were walking a, a humble road when I saw you a couple of, couple of nights ago. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, if uh, I can fool you. I can fool <laughs> no, so. so let's hope when we reconnect five years from now that we'll be on the stage at the Academy Awards with yeah. one of your movies. F- fine with me, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, an honor, pleasure. Avi, we'll, we'll do this again soon. This is Anthony Gordon. Until next time, thanks very much. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.